So we continue from where we left. Um, we are in chapter 22 of 1 Samuel. And the story of David continues. The story of David um, still on the move. But today we want to discuss David's cave time. Cave time. How many of us have visited any cave in this life? <laughs> or oh, you've seen one in a picture, at least. In a movie. If you have the copy of God's Word, please read with me. First Samuel 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege to read your word, the privilege to go through it, Lord. We ask tonight that as we uh, think about it, that your spirit will cause us to understand or give us proper application of this word as uh, you are speaking to us tonight. The meditation of our hearts, the words that comes out of my mouth, Lord, may they bring glory to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We just stop there for a moment and we, we want to discuss a few things that really um, David is doing here. After last week, we saw, you know, he is on the run, and he did some things that were not quite right. He went to the uh, priest, said things that the king did not tell him to. He just sent himself, make his way, because he was afraid of the king somehow. And... Um, in that context, he spoke to the priest, and we are going to see the outcome of those words that he spoke to the priest. But anyways, here the Bible begins by saying, therefore, he departed from there. He has actually escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers... And all his father's house had it, they went down there to him. This is probably 
you know, we would say there's something that is being ignited again in the life of the family of David. We, we barely hear about their family. You remember when the prophet was sent to go and anoint the king to the house of Jesse. He went and found Jesse and other sons. And the Bible tells us that when the prophet Samuel looked at Eliab, his firstborn, Jesse's firstborn, he, he said, surely this is the anointed one of God. The man of God was very deceived. He thought because of his stature, because of how strong he looks, this is the king. This is the man who will fight for Israel. Little did he know that whoever is fighting, whoever God is choosing, is busy already taking care of the flock. That, in essence, tells us that when God is choosing people, he doesn't bring in lazy people. He brings in people who are already doing something. People who are already at work. They're doing things. And think about it. You know, David is supposed to be anointed king, but he's not there with the rest of the brothers. The prophet asked, is there anyone remaining of your sons, anyone else? That's when the, the father is like, well, I think I have another one. <laughs> There's another one, but he's in the bush, he's in the forest taking care of the sheep. I mean, if you hear those sentiments from your loved ones, what, what comes to your mind? Am I even appreciated in my own family? Do they even care for me as a person? Why is it that we have something important going on in our homes, but I'm not invited? They didn't pay much attention to the little or the young David, the teenage David at that time. And we see the trail of everything that is happening. God gives victory through him. He killed the man who was a warrior. The whole his life he was trained for war. He killed that man and everyone was singing about the victory of David. After that, Saul becomes very angry at David. He wants to kill him. Why? Because he wants his son to continue the dynasty, to reign, to be in power. He's jealous of David. You know, when he offered sacrifice when he was supposed not to, what did the prophet say? This kingdom has been taken away from you. It's been stripped. And your neighbor is going to take it. Or the Lord has already given it to your neighbor. And he was wondering who it was. And at this time, he knows for sure it is David. That is why he wants him dead. David, as we saw last week, he lied to the priest that the king had sent him because he was afraid. A man who killed a warrior is now afraid running for his life. And he was given the sword that... Um, belonged to Goliath, and he departed. And this cave of Adullam, where he went, 
this it wasn't a place of a picnic it wasn't a place where you just go to have a good time it wasn't a place you know everyone is planning to go anyways because there are some good things that perhaps happens in this place adilam basically means refuge a place of refuge i am in trouble i am running to this place he's on the run and he lodged on a cave the cave became a refuge of david but also as we shall see in other writings in psalms this place did not just become a refuge but god himself became a refuge to this man david because if you're surrounded in a cave and you don't have an army you're surely going to die they're going to kill you if the lord will not protect you then you don't stand a chance and also it was a place of humility it was a place that god ordained so that david would be humbled how because at this point david cannot run to his family david cannot run to go to um samuel he cannot run to the house of god he just lied there he cannot run to the palace he cannot run to jonathan he has no place to go he has no place to go the only place he has is somewhere in the dungeon where at least he can go and lodge and think about his life <laughs> think about where he lost his trail with the lord he's always known the lord to be his protector but right now he's running for his life and apparently in this place it was hard so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it they went down there to him just think about it they despised david before the death of goliath he was just a boy just a teenager who was looking up the, the sheep in the wilderness nothing much to be said about him but nonetheless he was anointed in the presence of his family in the presence of his brethren the father and mother and the brothers they were there when he was anointed though he was not king but he was anointed ruler of Israel when he's a teenager the the brothers i think they could not take this politely why did he skip us and anointed this other man when the battle was won i think they were amongst the people who celebrated the victory 
And probably they, they now began to brag about the victory. Why? More so because it is their own brother who killed Goliath. We have the victory, but do you know who killed him? It is my own brother. You know, when, when our family members, you know, are outstanding in sports and in other spheres of this world, we're so proud of them, right? Do you know who is the governor of this county? He's my brother. <laughs> what you going to do about it? I have, you know, I can go to him anytime. You guys have to line up. <laughs> I can approach him with no problem. My brother is the president, or my son is the senator, or whatever. We get so proud of them, or the achievement, and we can talk about it. But again after this, he's on the run because the king is wanting to kill him. And maybe they thought in their family meeting, in their dinner time, they converse and say, hey, we just heard that our own brother, I just heard that my own son David is on the run because Saul wants to kill him. And they thought, man, we, we, we are going to be with him and see what this king would do to him when we are all together. If we die, probably one of them is saying, hey, if we die, all of us die. You know, we die as a family. Let's just go down there. What a beautiful picture that is painted here. They decided to go down there and encourage David while he's in the cage, running away. And also, there were other men who followed about 400 men that were with him went to this cave. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Now, this language will actually tell us the tenderness of David's heart and also that he cares about what God is supposed to say to him. He's probably sat in this cave for a few days and he thought, maybe if I just sit here, I'm going to die. The Lord has always been my strength. What if I return back to him? What if I mend my relationship with my Lord? I might not be sure what is happening right now, but I want the safety, number one, for my mother and my father. I want safety for them. Whoever joined David at this time would not have been his choice, but God called them to him. This is probably one of the pathetic groups you would call. 
A very, you see what the Bible says? Um, let me find it. Those people who came to David, they were distressed. Every one of them was in debt and discontented. <laughs> Look at that group of people. These are people who have seen maybe, you know, the rulership of Saul, they're discontent with how Saul is running things, but they're just a few people. They're probably indebted, maybe it's related to the kingdom or not even related just with other issues of life, but they are in debt. They are distressed. I mean, you're running away from the king. And this is the group of people who come to lodge with you. <laughs> How do you find strength through these kind of people? What source of encouragement would you draw from this group of people? How are they going to help you? They don't have weapons of war. You don't even know if they know how to fight. <laughs> All you know is that these people, they are your fellow brothers and sisters from Israel. They are your people. And because David was very uncertain of what would happen to him and this group of people, he wanted his old men to be safeguarded first before they go and encounter anything. As much as they would have hated him before, but you know what the, the Bible says, a brother is born for adversity. These bad times, they show up. I know maybe we have people here that are, we, we actually have made a vow that we'll never love our brothers, our sisters. What they did to me, what they did to so-and-so, what they did to my parents, I will never forgive them. I will never let this thing off my chest. Hard feelings. But these brothers, though we know from the past history, they had problems with him, but they showed up. And when they showed up, David didn't say, hey, my brothers and my father and my mother, you remain here. No, it was the old man, the father and mother. And do you know the reason why? Maybe David chose to... Um, Bring this two to the king of Moab. Because in the middle of all things that are un very uncertain, David sought to protect his family. And he went to the king of Moab. Not the king of Israel. He went to the king of Moab. Why? Because 
One of the reasons is because his great-grandmother was a Moabite. You guys remember that? Ruth was a Moabite. So he thought maybe they will catch up. <laughs> you guys go there, catch up, talk about your lives. Let the rest of us face whatever things will befall us. David did not know what was happening, but he trusted God without knowing the exact thing that was to happen. That is why he says this word, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Till I know what God will do. Till I am certain that God is going to send me out of this place. If it doesn't, this is the place we are going to leave. Throughout all the history, God leads through men that he has called. God would often direct his work through men that he has anointed for a specific job. But also, he calls men to walk alongside them. Every one of them. He, he calls for, you know, deliverance from uh, Egypt. He didn't call a crowd. He called one man, Moses, but again, Moses has to work with other people. He doesn't call people in isolation that you're going to be the overall, you're the alpha and omega of this ministry. He calls individuals as well as he calls people who will walk alongside them. You can't be in authority if you're not under authority. God has to teach you to be under authority. We see, even with the tone of the writer here, that David's heart is turned to God again. He's submitting himself to the leadership of God. When he submitted to God, God gave him victory. When he thought he was in charge, he's on the move. God doesn't call us in isolation. He calls us, and then he calls also people to walk alongside us. Do you know what the problem is? That sometimes we'll, we'll choose our best, 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 best friends to work with us. Maybe your best friend has never been called in that kind of ministry. But because I feel easy sharing with them and talking with them and doing things with them, I just want to welcome them into ministry. That is not how it works. See, the group of people that God is sending to David, a broken group of people.
Do you know the reason why God leads them to David? Is because these people are looking for a captain. They must be led, they must be trained, and they must be prepared for what is ahead. And when I was reading this, this, it kind of, in a bigger way, painted a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in my mind. Then you look at our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, he's come to save his own people, but they're running away from him. He's he's like a person who has no value to the rest of the uh, Israelites. But then we see that the same group of people who God led to David, it is exactly we that are led to Christ. We are distressed, discouraged beyond measure. We don't know what life holds. We are indebted to him. And in another way, we are discontent with this world because there's nothing good that comes out of it. We are discontent. We are distressed. We are in debt. If you're that kind of group, then you know where you should run to? You run to Jesus. Why? Because he will lead you, he will train you, and he will prepare you then for his coming back again. Wow. He does this for us, but we often don't see it. All we are looking for is the goodies that comes with this world. This world and everything that is in it will pass away. Have you submitted your lives to the leadership of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ, our God, calls and he anointed people to lead. And also he calls and he anointed others to be followers. Others are anointed with the same God to lead, the same God to follow. We must realize that every one of us needs a captain. The question is, who's yours? Who's your captain? Three things we must learn in this cave where God led David. He thought he was running, but he was going to a place of learning. God led him there to allow him rethink of his commitment to him. 
to allow David to rethink of his commitment to God. He's always followed after God. He's always been committed to God. He's always done, done the, the will of God. But then he was slipping away. He was getting comfortable with the victory that they received. He was getting comfortable that he can say something in the house of God that is not right. You know what his son says later? Solomon, do not be hasty when you go into the house of the Lord and making vows. If you don't repay them, they become sin, and sin yields death. Do not be hasty saying things in the house of God. Think about it. If David would have just said the truth, what is happening? Maybe there and then, God would have given him a way out. Because the Bible tells us that we, we are not tempted beyond what we are not able to go out of. He's always made a way. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. So God wanted him to rethink of his commitment to him. And number two, to help him and us actually understand that we are not alone. He sends them there he meets him there, and he sends other people there to tell him that, hey, yes, maybe these are not the group you'd have liked to work with, but at least you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. And the third thing is to help him refocus or to help us refocus. Here in Psalms, 142. The title says, A Contemplation of David, A Prayer When He Was in the Cave. I cry out to the Lord with my voice, with my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. And when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my pain. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. <laughs> no one cares for my soul. I cried, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. For they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, then I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. You see how he began and how he's finishing? 
praising God? This is a psalm he wrote when he was in the caves. He's running. And actually in Psalm 52, let me read it for us again. The title says here in my Bible, to the chief musician, a contemplation of David when Doeg, the Edomite, went and told Saul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. The exact time when David is running and going to the cave. This is happening. You know what he says? Why do you boast in evil, almighty man? Talking about who? This guy called Doink, which we'll read in a minute. And see, you know, his pride and what he did. Let's actually not go ahead of ourselves and see what he says. But pay attention to what God is already doing in the heart of this man. He said, refuge has failed me. <laughs> you are my portion in the land of the living. I cannot run to anyone else if it's not you, O oh God. I don't know if you've ever come to any point in life where you say these words, that God, you are my only one. I have tried my uncles and my aunties and the godfathers of this land. They have all failed me. You are my portion in the land of the living. I don't know if we are able to say that. Let's continue reading. Verses 4, so he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him in all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet God said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Now see, you see what happens when you now begin to realize that God is your only one. God is your refuge. He's the only one you got. And now David has to think. You know, when he was alone, perhaps it was easy. If they kill me, they kill me alone. If I die, I die alone. It is easy for me to be a loner right here. But then God takes that away and brings people. Remember, he's already anointed as king over Israel. He's already anointed king. And God is sending people like, these are part of the people you're supposed to lead. So, boy, go to work. Go to work. And as he's fixing his mind upon God, then God sends a prophet to him. When you begin to realize the position where you are and revert 
and go back to God, he will speak to you. He's always spoken to us many times, even when we are running away, but we don't pay attention. But the moment you begin to pay attention to God, then his voice becomes very clear. The prophet said, depart and go to the land of Judah. And you'll be like, hey, you, you, you're telling me with these people to go to the backyard of Saul. <laughs> you want us dead. I see. Why are you sending us there? When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarind tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. In other words, he's, he's the king and he's threatened with one man who is on the go, who is running. This man is not willing to kill him, doesn't want to kill him, has not voiced his concern about his death, yet he's afraid with a spear in his hand and people all around him protecting him. <laughs> that is what sin can do to you. <laughs> You're always afraid. The, the things that he spoke, are they going to know them? Uh, what is going to happen about this? What is going to happen about this? I did this. If they know about it, what is going to happen? If you have clear conscience, you will live a life that has freedom. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Bethlehemites. You know, th these are not polite language. <laughs> these are not polite. These are people who are guarding you right now. And they say, Hear, you, <laughs> you Bethlehemites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? You know what he's saying essentially? I know that he's king. <laughs> he's already anointed king. Do you think you have a place in that kingdom? What do you think you are? And he's, he's rageful as he's speaking these words. Do you think he will give you land? You think he will set you on the troops? What do you think he will do? All of you have conspired against me. This is the words of the king. All of you, even the people who are protecting him, he's saying, all of you have conspired against me. If he was living in these days, he would say Saul is a conspiracy, whatever. <laughs> say, this is a conspiracy, this is a conspiracy, conspiracy. Every corner, is, people are just conspiring against him. He's, he thinks he's not safe. 
And there is no one who reveals to me what my, that my son had made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is no one, no one of you who is sorry for me <laughs> or reveals to me that my son has tied up my servants against me to lie in wait as it is this day. No one told me that my son made a covenant with the son of Jesse. <laughs> no one is even sorry for me. <laughs> oh man. He's rageful, looking for sympathy. Just, he feels everyone is abandoning him. He thinks everyone is lying to him. Then answered Dog, the Edomite. Do you remember Dog when we um, read him last week? He was, I don't know what he was doing with the priest, but maybe he, he had a kingly assignment there. And do you know what is amazing also? Is they met. Let me just read it first. Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provision, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. I saw him, and he inquired of the Lord at this place. Remember, they all, meet, they all met where? At the house of God, right? Doeg was there, the priest was there, and David was there. They all met there. But the end result tells you a man who is chained and a man who is not. Because we would say, you know, both of them met at church. They're both busy with their own businesses. They're doing this, this is doing this, as we're here. We're all in church. This is my prayer for all of us. That as we, we meet in church, or we meet in fellowships, will be true to God and true to one another. Because he's not saying this in good faith. You hear the tone of his voice, even when you read. He's not saying it in good faith. He's saying it in a way that the king will listen and say, now that people are not talking, I got something. I got something. This information will spare the rest of the people and the one who will be in trouble are two people. It is David and the priest. It is David and the priest. So the king sent to call 
Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitam, and all his father's house to the priest, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And this is not an easy call that you're, you're summoned by the king. The king needs you, you and your family. You don't know what you've done wrong, but nonetheless, the king wants you. And they all came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitab. Have you noticed that he's, he's not even calling people with their names? You son of Jesse, son of Ahitab, son of you Bethlehemites. You know, sometimes when we want to profile people, we don't call them by their names. We profile people. That means there's something that we want to say that is, is related to that region. You son of Ahitam. He answered, here I am, my Lord. Then Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me? Saul thinks everything is conspiracy. Everyone is conspiring against Saul. Why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse. In that you have given him bread and a sword and I have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, this is very brilliant, listen to this. And who amongst all your servants is as faithful as David? I don't know if he's aware that he's in trouble. <laughs> he's not probably aware of all the trouble that awaits him. He's beginning to praise David in the presence of the king who wants to kill David. <laughs> Something is amiss somewhere. But he's doing what is right and he's saying, what is right? Who amongst all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? Who goes at your biddings and is honorable among your house? <laughs> he's, he's honorable amongst your house. He's your son-in-law. So he thought maybe these words would, you know, quiet down the king a little bit. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant 
or to any of his house of my father, any of the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. He's just saying the truth. He did know about the plans of David. He did know that David was not sent with the king. He did know. But the king will not believe him. And the king said, you shall surely die. Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord because their hands also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servant of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. I like that. These servants would not raise their hands against the priests of the Lord because they knew that their master, their Lord, the king, was not in his right mind. Why do you want to kill them? You want to kill them because you're afraid of David? They could not do that. They refused to do that. This Benjamin, <laughs> these people who don't care about me, they're hiding things from me. They refused. And the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen he fought. And also Nob, the city of the priest, he stuck with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children, and nursing infant, oxen and donkey and sheep with the edge of the sword. Wow, what a rageful man. When we read in um, chapter 21, verse 7, say, Now a man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, a chief of the husband who belonged to Saul. He was detained in the house of the Lord, we don't know. I don't know the reason why he was detained, but he was detained. This man turns to be the man who is destroying the servants of God for no reason, just because the king commanded him. He killed all of them. He killed 85 men, plus women, children, nursing infant, oxen, sheep. He killed all of these at the command of his Lord. Now one of the sons of 
Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg, the Edomite, was there, that he would surely tell Saul. Now you see, when he went to the house of the Lord, and he didn't do right, and he saw that man who belonged to Saul, he knew that something was going to happen. Something that he was going to regret about. And now we see that decision, what it costed. If he had said the truth, all these people could have not died. But he didn't stand with the truth that day. And now he said, I knew it. Deep down, I knew that this would have happened. I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. We have a common enemy. Whoever is seeking for your life, the same seeks my life. I want us to remind us of a few things here. You see when David reigned into this cave and God sent a group of people that if it wasn't of David, David's choosing, he could not have chosen these people. But God sent them to him. Later in the scriptures, maybe even the writer of Hebrews alludes to this kind of people who wandered in caves, as we read in Hebrews 11:38. These heroes of faith who wanders in the wilderness and the caves. David did not do anything to destroy his enemy, who was Saul, but he thought of waiting upon the Lord. He thought of taking his complaint to the Lord, as we just read in Psalms. He say, everywhere, there are snares, there are traps for me everywhere. No one cares about my life. If I can't tell it to God, I can't tell it to any other person. They'll turn against me. Who do I have besides me? And do you know if you'd read later in the Bible, in First Chronicles, chapter 11, verses 15 going onwards to 25, 
we see that this group of people that came to David in the cave, the Bible tells us that there arose a mighty man of war in this group of people. A people who were disregarded, distressed group of people, people who were in debt, people who were discontented. Let me just read to you quickly there. First Chronicles 11, 15. Now, three of the 30 captains went down to the rock to David into the caves, the cave of Adullam, and the host of Philistine encamped in the valley of Raphaim. And David was in the hold, and the Philistines, and the Philistine garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David lodged and said, All that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And three break through the host of Philistine and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. Wow. These three men went and they broke through and brought water to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, my, my God forbid eat me that I should do this thing. Shall I drink the blood of these men that they have put their life in jeopardy? These men have put their life in danger, brought water out. I don't want to drink it. This is like a sacrifice to me. I don't want to do it. These things did these three mightiest. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was the chief of the three for lifting up his spear against the 300 he slew them and had a name amongst the three of the three he was more honorable than the two for he was their captain howbeit he attained not to the first three Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men. Wow. <laughs> These descriptions. You guys have ever seen a lion close range? Like a few meters? You don't want to come close to that animal. <laughs> One leg of that thing where pounds, a lot of kgs. That thing, if the lion slaps you, it shakes your brain out of you and you're dead there. <laughs> this, the Bible says this guy slew two men, lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion. Not just lion-like men. <laughs> he slew a lion in a pit 
in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. You guys know how that is translated into feet? So one cubit is about 18 inches. So 18 inches times five, that is 90 inches. 90 divided by 12, one foot, that is, tw- that is about 12. So this is, a man, I am not six, <laughs> I'm not six foot yet. If I was six, I was somewhere here. And then double it up. That was a huge man, a man of war, that this guy just killed. These were mighty men. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name amongst the three mightiest, Behold, he was honorable amongst the thirty, but attained not to the first three. But David set him over his guard. Do you know where this man came from? From that cave. And you know what I said they were supposed to do? They were supposed to be led, trained, and to be prepared. And when time comes... They act accordingly. This is a process that many people will run away to be led, right? To be trained and to be prepared demands a lot of things from you. If you're not willing, you will never imagine to be any great man or woman of God in this life. You got to submit yourself. To authority. God anoints leaders. He also anoints people who are to be followers. Above everything happening in your life right now, are you waiting to see what God will do or you've already figured out what to do? David didn't know what to do. He said, please help me keep my parents here as I wait and see what the Lord will do. I don't know yet, but I trust him that he will do what is right in his own eyes. The ones who became strong in David's army. They're the ones who followed him in the cave. The ones who followed David in the bad times, in his lowest points, when he was running, when he was not a king. Right now, you know, later when David is a king, everyone would want to go and be part of the kingdom but they don't want to go through the hassles and tassels of what is happening in the jungle. I don't know what you do 
in your cave moments, in your cave times, when you're deep down there. I don't know what to do. Even if you're to complain, do you know where to channel them? Channel them up. <laughs> David said, I'll, I'll complain. I'll say these words, but I won't say them to you. For in you there is mercy. I'd rather fall in the hands of God than the hands of my enemies because there is no mercy with them, but in the hands of God there is mercy and forgiveness. A brother is born for adversity. Are you your brother's keeper? Or you're the one who will say, well, I don't want nothing to do with them ever again. Ever again. David was anointed when all these things were happening. But he was not on the throne yet. He was anointed king. But he was running, the king on the caves. I believe God has called us various, in very many ways to do great things in his kingdom. Maybe some of us are still running away. Maybe we are in the caves. Maybe we, are, we just go to the priest, but we are not even telling the truth. Honesty. Hope the Lord will speak to us through his word. I hope you go and reflect upon these words. Reflect upon what is happening. We know for sure, though, you know, this is what is said about David right now. But what he writes, he gives us his heart. What really transpired. When more, when Doeg, this guy, showed up, he lodged accusation. He thought because he did that, he was going to be given the mightiest position in the land. God allowed David to taste of this cave experience to awaken him, to remind him of the things he's taking him through. I've always protected you. Even in, you know, the worst of worst, you know, we, we call right now the worst of worst economies. Are you guys not alive right here? God has given you you have a house, there's shelter, there's clothing. You guys have food. You guys have friends and family. You guys have more than you could imagine. If you start to number them one by one, the blessings of the Lord, you'll be amazed. But yet, do you know what we do? We launch into the complaints with people. Hey, Nikunoma, hey, Nikunoma. We, we just want to flow with people. Mambo yendi, mambo yendi. 
It's, it's not a good language for the children of God. God has blessed you abundantly. And people are getting scared. You know what the Chinese are doing right now, if you guys follow what is happening in the internet, they're trying to rewrite the Bible. Especially the, the story of the, the woman who was caught in adultery. They're rewriting the story. And at the end of their story, they're saying Jesus stoned the woman. And the world is going crazy. And Christians are getting afraid. Oh, don't go to China now. Don't buy their properties. Don't do this. You know what the Bible says? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Why are you afraid? Instead of praying, instead of sharing the gospel with people, we're just going into those depths, getting afraid. What are they going to do? What if it's a conspiracy like so? Conspiracy, conspiracy after the other. We are afraid. May the Lord help us to appreciate what he's done for us, what he's given to us. And in that cave, when you're in there, you're waiting to see what God will do or you have figured out what to do yourself. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you give us principle that should govern our lives daily. All we ask for is that you give us the strength to follow it up and to do it. We already know it. It's written. It's available for us anytime. But Lord, I pray that you will, you will walk in our hearts. Help us, oh God, to know how we ought to walk before you. When the enemy has camped against us in all sides of life, where are we going to run to? When the foundations of the world are broken, Lord, we will run to you. We'll run to you. And we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, so we are not going to live in fear of anything or anybody. We know their end. All we want to do is to be prepared for when you come. It will be a glorious day, a glorious time. Lord, help our hearts to be gazed upon you and you alone. As we fellowship together and depart from this fellowship, we ask that you'd be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.